Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Ever from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number 43 of the 50 most relevant, counting our way through Ho, I believe are the most relevant players in salary cap formats of the game. Kind of in a universal combined list. Some of these guys, more relevant super coach. Others, more relevant fantasy or dream team. Others, they're just flat out relevant in every single format of the game. To talk about the number 43 player on the list is Adelaide Crows Rory Sloan. That's who's in the spot. But to chat about Rory, I got Ben. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, mate. Very excited about uh, Rory Sloan. I think this might be the year I finally own him across the competition. So I'm yeah. super excited to talk about him. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about him. And, and there's kind of these moments. And what's difficult about doing the 50 most relevant is... Um, there's so many plays you want to fit in, and then there's the variations of the cash cows and the breakout options and the premiums and then the different formats. So then you're trying to rank them. Um, and, and eventually, guys, that even if you're really quite bullish on them and think they're going to go well and you'll probably start them um, in a couple of formats, which quietly I'm likely to do with who we're talking about today, they just start bumping down the list a little bit lower. So part of me thinks I may just have old Rory a, a little bit lower than I'd like, but he's locked in, so we're going for it anyway. Um, he's 28 years old. He's one of the generals of the Adelaide Crows midfielder. And though, while 2018 was a year to forget for the him, for the Crows, and for injuries in South Australia in general, he still managed to pump out a couple of handy enough scores for us. His best game was in round two against the Tigers across all formats. It was a 115 in Dream Team and Fantasy and a 141 in Supercoach. That's a nice bit of ceiling right there. His average last year, the lowest he's had for a number of seasons. An 89.9 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 96.1 in Supercoach. And then the pricing, just over 524000 in Supercoach. And then Fantasy and Dream Team, very, very similar. Around about that 640 650 marker through there. And really... That was the worst season from Rory Sloan from a fantasy perspective since 2011. That's when he was 11 year not 11, 21 years old. He, he probably looked 11 at the time, though. The reason for such a poor season was a foot injury suffered in that win against Richmond in round two. And despite the injury, he did get the best score of the year for him, 115 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 141 in Supercoach. He struggled his way through the next couple of games against the Saints and the Pies, but it was pretty evident, evident even to just a casual watching, you know, through the TV. Sloan wasn't quite right. He wasn't seen again till round 15 against the Eagles. And from then on in, we started to see some pretty similar scores from the Crows vice-captain. Um, from his remaining eight games of the year, six times in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he scored over 90, including three scores over 106. While in Supercoach, he had just one game where he failed to score over 84 and had four tons, including three consecutive, to wrap up the year. It was a disappointing year for Rory Sloan, but Ben, there are enough signs that year, and then we only need to just glimpse back into the past to remind ourselves what a good player and fantasy scorer he really is. Absolutely. Um, he had a bad season in 2018, but he was not not the only one down South Australia. No, he wasn't. obviously got injured, got tagged, um, which we'll have to talk about. But, yep. uh, he is a guy that when he is on his game, there is barely anyone in the competition that can stop him. Well, 
especially when you start to think about the the amount of scores he can put together. So specifically, I'm talking about 2017 when he went on a rampage from rounds two to six. He goes in Supercoach and Dream Team, 146 Supercoach, 150 Dream Team, 168 Supercoach, 139 Dream Team, 124 Supercoach, 143 Dream Team, 130s across, and then another 150s across the oh, comps as well. Gosh. So it's just absurd. And you, you begin to think, well, someone who doesn't own him during that period of time, they might actually be really out of a chance to win the whole entire competition. So he, he might have taken it away from several several thousand um, players across the comps, whether it's Dream Team, Dream Team Supercoach or AFL Fantasy, purely because you didn't own him for a five-week stretch where he averaged 140-plus in both competitions. Um, that's the type of player he can be, and we've got to keep that in mind when you're getting offered him at a very discounted price because yeah. of injury, and you add in the fact that since 2014, other than injury seasons, he has not gone below 104 average in Dream Team. Um, and 108 average in Supercoach. So in 2015, when we still had the green and red vest, he was subbed out three in three matches, um, all for mid-60 scores. So if you, you took them out and they, they were injury matches, yeah. um, you took them out, he was averaging about 105, which is what he did in 2014. Um, and he was averaging similar numbers to the 2014 numbers in Supercoach. So... Look, he, he's been very, very consistent um, at averaging around that 105 mark. Now, his scoring hasn't been consistent. There's been uh, lots of uh, downs and ups in that pattern. But at the end of the day, you're talking about a guy that, generally speaking, if he doesn't get injured, you're expecting about 105 average. Yeah, and, and look, there's only around about 25, 30 players across both formats, depending that you play in the midfield, that are averaged over 100 last year that we can start with this year and yet we're getting a guy who's 10 to 15 points behind what he consistently delivers for us um, year in year out so there's some real incredible value there just look at those two years you mentioned 2016 and 2017 um, those averages were incredible you know in Supercoach uh, missing just the one match in that time 43 matches 23 of them he scored over 100 15 of them were over 130. That's a massive series for Dream Team and Fantasy during those same two years. Averaged 106 and 107. He had, in that period of time, 24 matches that he went over 120. When he's on, he's a top 10 scoring midfielder in terms of total points. But we're paying for someone that isn't even priced inside the top 30. There's the value. That's where there's the potential. But as you've already mentioned, Ben, there is one big question mark over his game, and that is how he handles a tag. Not just historically of three or four years gone by, even just last year in round 15, he was tagged by Mark Hutchings, uh, limited to just 14 possessions, 68 in AFL Fantasy, 89 in Supercoach. A month later, he got tagged again by James Harms in Melbourne. It slowed him to a score of 95, so you kind of take that in a tag match in AFL Fantasy, but a 66 in Supercoach clearly impacted his efficiency. Um, Brisbane's Jared Berry had a similar impact, restricting him just to 16 possessions and a score of 77 in Fantasy and 84 in Supercoach. I, I think the fact it's fair to say, Ben, at some point he's going to get tagged 
and the weeks you own him where he's tagged, it's going to hurt like hell. Yep, it is. It's unfortunate. I think I stated before that it feels like barely anything can stop him when he's on those runs, but unfortunately a tag does stop him. We have a lot of history of that now. Um, so you've got to factor that in and you probably got to play a little bit of a guessing game and try and work out where it is likely he's going to be tagged. Also, whether potentially, you know, someone else in the Crows midfield gets tagged, I think that might be optimistic thinking, yep. but it's still something to, to hope for potentially. Um, but look, you, you are expecting, we have a lot of history now, you are expecting that when he is tagged, you're going to be seeing a significantly lower score on his output when not tagged. But the question then becomes, can you, are you willing to accept those lower numbers in the face of those those numbers that we've spoken about previously, whether it be the absurd Supercoach scores. I was even looking in 2017, there's three games where he scores above 168 or higher. That's <laughs> nuts. So, yeah, so the, the, the output when he isn't tagged is just absurd, um, and that's coupled with something that uh, really brings his game down when he is tagged. So... How, how often he's going to be tagged is another really interesting question, but um, it's a lot of it's a lot of a guessing game, MJ. Unless you've got a crystal ball with you. Oh, I do have one of them actually. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a couple of really obvious points in the first eight weeks of the year where he's likely to be tagged, and there's a couple of teams that do run with a defensive midfielder that maybe not kind of the exclusive tagger. In round three, they play the Cats, so he'll likely get Scott Selwood if he's fit. Um, that's the big caveat there. I think round four is the danger game against the Kangaroos. Ben Jacobs has a really good history of shutting him down. The round one clash against Hawthorne, Daniel Howe may choose to go to him. Uh, he did quite some handy negating roles for the Hawks um, during this season. Sydney may send Hewitt to do a bit of a run with hot roll in him in round two. Uh, round five is probably where it first opens up uh, against the Gold Coast. Um, and even then, Took Miller could be a likely opponent. Round six, um, you've got, probably got Jack Steele um, if uh, the Saints still use him as a defensive midfielder. And then it's round seven, maybe if it's Bailey Banfield. Um, round eight, you know, Porter probably the first team that don't really em- employ the use of a tagger, and that's round eight. So uh, you could build a case quite easily, um, and that's maybe why Rory's so low in the 50 most relevant, because at his price point, he offers a little bit of Stephen Cornelio value for us last year, where you know he's going to be that 100 midfielder, but he's priced significant enough that you could kind of save some cash, um, but know you're getting a 100 midfielder. But there are some of those concerning signs quite consistently early in the year. And unless somebody else, like a Matt Crouch, attracts that tag, it could maybe be a bit of a difficult and slow start for Rory Sloan. It absolutely could. It absolutely could. It's it's one of those ones where you're going to be umming until um until that first lockout. But one thing I will keep in the back of my back of everyone's heads so while we're while we're just on this subject where. Look, if you're very, very confident that he's going to receive a lot of attention over the first round, mm. uh, first seven rounds, as you've outlined in MJ, um, potentially he's a guy that you can bring in at a, a cut cost when everyone's looking elsewhere. Um, he wouldn't be the worst guy to upgrade to as an MA. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just another thing to float, float about. I'm still very excited. I, you know, at this stage, he's in my team, whether, yeah. whether he stays in my team is another thing, but. Yeah, he's he's just someone that I'm really attracted to his high 
those really high highs, which not everyone in the competition can do. And I just think there there is a st- um, there is a moment in time where he might be one of the highest tra- uh, price players in the competition. Yep. Um, and that's the time when you possibly want to be jumping off because you know the attention will be coming then. But yeah. that's the that's a time when invari- invariably everyone's going to jump on. I, actually, uh, a bit of anecdotal evidence, but I think back in 2016 or 17, I jumped on in Supercoach roughly around that 177 game, and it was pretty average from then on. So yeah. One one thing I would say with Rory is don't jump on after an absurd run because it's unlikely to continue. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you can time it, so you can time it after he's had a really bad run, you know, timing is everything in this game, as we all know. But if you can manage that time, that timing, like you've got an absurdly good player that at his best can just, you know, 100, 150 is something that he's done time and time again across the formats, and that's that's something that's really hard to not look at. Yeah, I th- I think so. Look, and we do see ebbs and flows in game styles and structures. You know, in a lot of 2017, there there weren't really a tagging kind of functions and role. There were moments of it, but certainly early on in the season, we didn't see that. Whereas um, in the back half of 2017 and a lot last year, it kind of came back in vogue a little bit. Um, do the new rules kind of make it a bit more difficult for tag? You know, there there are some permutations that we're still not 100% certain on, but you're right. He's got the potential to be one of the highest scoring fantasy players. You're paying basically a, a 90 for him, 90-ish um, in, in Supercoach. He's a, a little bit more in terms of the average that you're pr- paying for, but... He presents massive value, not just in salary caps, but in drafts. Because traditionally, if you wanted to own Rory Sloan, you were probably forking out an M2 sort of position um, for him. But uh, in reality, he could slide a, a little bit more so than that. Look, it's probably only one spot to an M3. But in some drafts, gosh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can see it happening, but maybe you, you could even jag him as late as an M4 if... If if people are just going crazy elsewhere in other lines, who knows? Absolutely, you would be rejoicing at M four, um, but it, even honestly, M three is a great a great yeah. selection for him. Um, he's the type of guy that, traditionally speaking, people that have averaged a little bit lower than their normal average will drop a little bit in drafts, even though there's a, a wealth of data to suggest that they're probably more realistically a hundred and five average than a ninety average, and. So that's, that's a reason that he probably will drop in a lot of drafts. But, you know, honestly, he and he is fantastic for drafts in the sense that he can win you games. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, with that, he can he can produce some very low scores. But um, in, especially with drafts, my sort of psychology is I like those guys who, who have huge ups and huge downs because... When everyone has an up, you know, it might happen on grand final day. Yeah. You, you're not a very good team, but possibly you're playing someone who's 100 points better than you. But on your good days, you were going to have a win. Um, and that's what I really like about someone like Rory Sloan, particularly for drafts. So, look, if you're getting him at M4, happy days. M3, still very happy. I probably wouldn't be taking him as high as an M2, though. No, I think you can, you'd be probably running too light on your midfield, even though he'll likely deliver numbers of an M2 in terms of average around that early hundreds with maybe the potential in Supercoach to push it a little bit higher. 
Um, look, he, normally you'd have to get him inside the first five rounds uh, if you want to own him. I, I can see maybe a really bullish Crows fan jumping on him too early, but he'll still go in those top six, seven, eight, nine rounds. Like, there's no way he, he he's lasting anywhere belong, beyond that, that's for sure. No, absolutely not. And um, he's another guy that in keeper leagues you're looking at um, to potentially own. Look, he's coming into his peak right now. He's only 28. We've got to keep that in mind. So he'll have another three really good seasons. So um, depending on how you value that, whether you're looking for the premiership within the next three or whether you have a long-term approach is sort of going to determine where you where you end up ranking him. But he, he's another great selection for um for keeper league uh, drafts across the country. Yeah, I agree, man. Hey, appreciate your thoughts today on Rory Sloan. Uh, thank you, MJ. It's uh, always fantastic to talk about the, the Crows legend. Yes, that's very, very true. If you want to check out the article on him, it's at coachespanel.tv, as are the other players we've previously unveiled in the 50 most relevant. If you can't be bothered reading, I hear you, my friend. Uh, I write so you don't have to read. Uh, we do the podcast for that very reason. Uh, so you can check it out uh, via iTunes and also Spotify. The links, uh, if you can't be bothered finding them, that is at coachespanel.tv, as are all the details details of how you can become a Patreon member of the Coaches Panel and get some early access to these podcasts. Number 42 in the 50 Most Relevant. You thought I'd got some hate on social media for Billy Longer, for, I don't know, Nick Newman, uh, for Harley Benel. The hate is real when it comes to number 42. Oh, yeah, bring it on.